0: We're once again going to be in the book of Judges, chapter 6. Before we get into our text, I just want us to reflect and consider a few things this morning. What is the nature of faith? What is the nature of faith? I'm, I'm not necessarily talking about saving faith, about what is necessary to believe for salvation, but just... Regular, everyday trusting God, trusting God when things are going well, trusting God when things are not going so well. What is the nature of faith? When God gives commands, what is the nature of faith in response to the word of the Lord? I don't know how many of you have ever read anything by Jerry Bridges. He's one of my favorite authors writing on the Christian life. His approach to Christian living is fueled by grace, informed by the scriptures, and focused on Christ-likeness. In one of his books, he writes about the nature of faith, and some have compared it to a three-legged stool. You have to have all three legs. If you remove one of the legs, the stool is not going to stand. It is going to fall over. So what are those three legs? First is faith and trusting that God is perfect in His love, He wants what's best for you. He loves you. He desires good things for you. And this requires faith because sometimes maybe God's definition of what is good may be different than ours. Which is why we have to trust the second leg, that God is perfect in His knowledge, perfect in His wisdom. Not only does He want what's best for you, but He also knows what's best for you. Even if things don't feel like things are going well or they're good, but God always knows and desires the things that are good and best for his children, for our good and his glory. Finally, the third leg is that God is infinite in his power, that he is able to bring it about. So he wants what is best, he knows what is best, and he can actually accomplish those things. This is the three-legged stool of, of faith with We are to trust in God and His Word. We must have faith in these three things. If we struggle with any one of those three legs, we will have a difficult time trusting God because we will either conclude that He doesn't love us, or that even if He loves us, maybe He just doesn't know, or that He is an incompetent God, unable to accomplish that which He desires to bring about. We must reflect and embrace these things not only when we encounter things that are challenging for us, when life is hard, when we go through struggles and trials and difficulties, but also as we seek to consider the things that God has commanded us. When God gives us commands, do we trust that that command is flowing out of His love, His wisdom, and his power to bring about good through our obedience. And I'm not necessarily talking about like the, uh, the subjective sense of trying to figure out God's will in our lives. I'm talking about the things that God has already clearly revealed in his word. Like it's, it's in the pages of scripture. God has issued forth commands and, and we're to receive it by faith. When God speaks, do we believe? Believe that He loves us, and He commands these things out of His care for us. Believe that He knows, and He commands these things out of His wisdom and knowledge. Believe that He is able, and He commands these things out of His ability to work out His good purposes through our obedience. Often we are tempted to doubt the Word of God, just as Gideon will in our text here today you've not already turned there, be, please uh, do so to Judges chapter 6. But Gideon was a man of little faith. If we look at the story of Gideon and how we got to where we are right now, we find a man that is a very fearful man. He is a man that does not have a whole lot of confidence in Yahweh, right? He's, he is hiding from the Midianites, threshing grain in the wine press. When the angel of the Lord appears to him, he is afraid. When, when the angel says, the Lord is with you, he doubts the word of God. When the angel says, I'm going to deliver Israel through your hand, Gideon says, Ha, ah, you sure you got the right person because I'm kind of the smallest guy in the smallest tribe of, the smallest family of the smallest tribe. Like it's, I'm not quite qualified for the job. And when he finally does act in obedience, he does so in secret for fear of his countrymen. Last week, as we were concluding uh, the text that we examined last week, we saw a little bit of a glimpse of this mighty man of valor that the angel of the Lord declared. He, as the angel called him, this mighty man of valor. and Gideon doesn't seem like he's lived up to it, we got a glimpse of it last week as he's blowing the trumpet and rallying the troops to himself. But even then, it was only because the Spirit of God had come upon him. The question of faith that, that Gideon has to wrestle with Is this. Do you believe what God has said? Do you believe what God has said? Gideon, rather than accepting and receiving what God has said, is going to seek after signs. And God is going to have to teach him and stretch him and grow him for the task that he has called him to accomplish. Well, let's look at our text today, and we're going we're gonna to discover four principles of faith wor- as we see working out in the life of Gideon, four principles of faith as they are worked out in the life of Gideon. The first principle is that sign-seeking is evidence of doubt. Read with me Judges chapter 6, beginning in verse 36. Then Gideon said to God, if you will save Israel by my hand, as you have said, behold, I am laying a fleece of wool on the threshing floor. If there is dew in the fleece alone and it is dry all on the ground, then I shall know that you will save Israel by my hand, as you have said. And it was so. When he rose early the next morning and and squeezed the fleece, he wrung enough dew from the fleece to fill a bowl with water. Then Gideon said to God, Let not your anger burn against me. Let me speak just once more, please. Let me test just once more with the fleece. Please let it be dry on the ground only, and on all the. Oh, uh, sorry. Please let it be dry on the fleece only, and all on the ground let there be dew. And God did so that night, and it was dry on the fleece only. And on all the ground there was dew. As we begin to consider this text before we, sadly, sometimes you run into some text where before we begin to wrestle with and understand what the author is communicating to us from this text, we almost have to kind of undo some ways that this text has been understood and has kind of been pushed into our lives, pushed into our culture at different ways, and sadly that is the case here. We have to take a moment to discuss what is not happening before we seek to grab a grasp of understanding what is going on in the text. Some people have taken this passage as a model for us to follow. If you're not sure about the will of God, hey, you just got to lay out your fleece, right? Now, I don't know if you've ever heard that kind of terminology in different church circles that you've been a part of. Are you uncertain if you should take path A or path B? Well, here's what you should do. You should lay out your fleece. Well, what does that look like? Well, it might look like something like this. You know, I own this house, and I'm not sure if God wants me to move to this other place over there or if I should stay here. So, I'm going to lay out my fleece. I'm going to put my home on the market, and if it sells within a certain amount of time, then I will know That God wants me to move, and that is God's will, and I will sell my home and move to this other location. Or perhaps we might take a page out of Abraham's servant's book, when we say something like, Lord, I don't know if I should marry this girl, but if she is wearing a green shirt today, then I'll know that I should propose to that person. It's like, um, let's think about this a little bit more. This is the concept of just lay out your fleece and God will tell you what you should do through whatever means you've predetermined should come about. Like you, you're setting, you're pre-setting the parameters, pre-determining what needs to happen in order for you to make your decision. Well, this is not a healthy way to seek God's will. I believe that God's, God calls us to pursue wisdom and that is how we are to make decisions. We ought, to, we ought not to look to our own subjective experiences as the final arbiter of what we think God wants as if we're trying to test God and try to figure things out that way. No, he gives us his word. And in his word, there is clarity about things that he desires for our lives. And then for everything else, God gives us wisdom and freedom to make decisions in keeping with good, sound Wisdom according to biblical principles. Furthermore, if we really think about the details that are present within this text, this isn't what Gideon was doing. Gideon wasn't laying out his fleece to find out what God's will was. God had already told him. God had already told Gideon what he wanted him to do. Rather, Gideon was doubting he was trying to find ways almost it seems to try to get out of what it was that god had directed him to do so here gideon in an act of fear and faithlessness was seeking a way out of that which god had commanded him to do god had spoken directly to gideon and told him what he would do and what he wanted gideon to do and what god would do through gideon and gideon's already asked for a sign you remember that he says, oh, if you're going to do this, I need a sign. And so he goes and prepares a meal, and God burns up the meal, right? And all of a sudden, Gideon's like, oh, I've been before the angel of the Lord. And he was fearing for his life. God has already given Gideon a sign. And now, here he is once again, seeking after another sign. I like how Daniel Block writes concerning this. He writes, Despite being clear about the will of God, right? He's not trying to figure it out. He knows. Despite being clear about the will of God, being empowered by the Spirit of God, because in the previous paragraph, he was clothed with the Spirit as he rallied the troops together. He was empowered by the Spirit of God. And despite being confirmed as a divinely chosen leader by the overwhelming response of his countrymen to his own summons to battle... He uses every means available to try to get out of the mission to which he was called. Some people want to use Gideon laying out the fleece as an example of how to live by faith, but this story shows us the exact opposite. The story ought to have progressed right from the... if If you think of the narrative of the story and how things go... The Spirit of God clothes Gideon. He blows the trumpet. He rallies all the troops together. The story should have progressed from that moment right into the battle where God gives them the victory and delivers them from the hand of the Midianites. But instead, we find this moment. Gideon decides to test God, not once, but twice. And really, this is actually the third time he's asked for a sign. Gideon himself knows that he's on dangerous ground with this. I mean, if you look at verse thirty-nine, what does he say in verse thirty-nine? He says, "Let not your anger burn against me." Like uh, he knows he's treading on dangerous ground here. Like he knows it's thin ice. But he's he's just trying. He's just kind of pushing a little bit more than he knows he ought to. You almost get the sense that he was dis- disappointed with the first resolve. Like, uh, I'm gonna I'm gonna test this again. If you guys ever. Uh, trying to make a decision you're like well we'll flip a coin to decide the decision and like "All right, if it's if it's heads i'll go to taco bell if it's if it's uh tails then i'll go to mcdonald's and you flip the coin and it's tails and you say well let's do best you know yeah best two out of three let's let's do that it's like well aha <laughs> uh-huh, you, you weren't actually you you do have an opinion here right almost get the sense that that's what's going on with gideon where he's like well Okay that that happens God did this miracle with this fleece but you know let's let's try to reverse now uh, do the opposite this time lord uh, i really want to be sure when all he had to do was trust in what god had already revealed so gideon was not acting in faith but he was being true to his nature being true to the character of what we've seen of this is what Gideon's like. He's a fearful man, he's a, a doubting man, acting consistently with that. And you know, sometimes I think we find ourselves tempted in similar ways as we face the command of God. We're tempted to test God in these ways when we ought to consider we ought to consider the words of Jesus Christ in the New Testament when he says that a a wicked and adulterous generation seeks a sign. This was in response to the Pharisees. The Pharisees were coming to him and saying, Lord, show us a sign. We want to see a sign that, that we might know that you really are from God. And Jesus says, no, that's, that's not good. A wicked and adulterous generation seeks after a sign. There's a fundamental difference in heart posture between those who seek and demand a sign And those who come to the Lord humbly, in humility, crying out, Lord, I believe, help my unbelief. If we're struggling with our faith, if if our heart posture is demanding a sign, Lord, you have to prove to me that this is what's right, that this is what I should do. Versus, Lord, I'm struggling with this. Strengthen my faith that I may live in obedience to you. There's a fundamental difference in heart posture between those who seek a sign and those who come to the Lord crying out, I believe, help my unbelief. Gideon was a man of little faith. He doubted the word of God. He tried to get out of his task by asking not for one sign but for two and yet... For some reason, God in his mercy, instead of, instead of incinerating Gideon right on the spot, which is really, you know, he says, Lord, no, don't, don't let your anger burn against me. Well, it should have burned right then and there, and that should have been the end of Gideon. But God in his mercy, mercifully, grants him this miraculous sign. Why? Why would God acquiesce to this, this scaredy cat, right? This coward who is just not doing what he ought to do. Why was God willing to meet him it was because God had a plan for Gideon and God was going to accomplish that plan because God accomplishes his purposes. And so as we come into chapter 7, you almost, you almost get the sense as we kind of see a transition here that, okay, Gideon was testing God, well, now God has a test for Gideon. It's almost like he says, okay, you tested me, now here's a test for you. Let's look at chapter 7. Verses 1 through 8. Then Jerubbabel, that is Gideon. Now, if you remember back in chapter 7, Gideon was kind of renamed Jerubbabel as and he contends with Baal or let Baal contend with him. Jerubbabel and Gideon and all the people who were with him rose early and encamped beside the, the spring of Herod. And the camp of Midian was north of them by the hill of Mora in the valley. The Lord said to Gideon, The people with you are too many for me to give the Midianites into their hand, lest Israel boast over me, saying, My own hand has saved me. Now therefore proclaim in the ears of the people, saying, Whoever is fearful and trembling, let him return home and hurry away from Mount Gilead. Then 22,000 of the people returned, and 10,000 remained. And the Lord said to Gideon, the people are still too many. Take them down to the water, and I will test them there for, for you there. And anyone of whom I say to you, this one shall go with you, shall go with you. And any of whom I say to you, this one shall not go with you, he shall not go. So he brought the people down to the water, and the Lord said to Gideon, Everyone who laps the water with his tongue as a dog laps, you shall set him by himself. Likewise, everyone who kneels down to drink, and the number of those who lapped, putting their hands to their mouths, was 300 men, but the rest of the people knelt down to drink water. And the Lord said to Gideon, with the 300 men who lapped, I will save save you, and give the Midianites into your hand, and let all the others go, every man to his own home. So the people took provisions in their hands and their trumpets and he sent all the rest of Israel, every man to his tent, but retained the three hundred men. And the camp of Midian was below him in the valley. Again, as we look at this text again, there there have been misconceptions about what is being communicated in this. Some people have tried to look and, and figure out the details of like, oh, what's the significance of these three hundred men that, well, <coughs> excuse me, <coughs> excuse me, what's significant about them? What makes them special that God says, these are the ones I want in my army? And they've tried to figure out like, oh, it's because X, Y, Z, and try to figure out the significance of these things. So what's special about the lappers? Those who lapped the water, who scooped the water up and and lapped it with their tongue. What's significant? What's special about the lappers? Ab. Absolutely nothing. There's nothing special about the lappers. The key to this passage, the, the key to understanding what is going on in this text is verse 2. The Lord said to Gideon, The people with you are too many for me to give the Midianites into their hand, lest Israel should boast over me, saying, My own hand has saved me. God will not let rebellious, idolatrous Israel receive glory for what God is going to do through the hand of Gideon. God's mercy is going to be so evident within their lives and God knows the heart of man. He knows that if they fought in their own strength and they, they won the victory through the might of their sheer power and numbers, that they would simply add pride to their growing list of sins that they're heaping upon themselves in the book of Judges. So the whole point of this whole exercise about, okay, now set apart the, the lappers and then those who kneel down and drink straight from the stream on their knees, the whole point of that is to highlight the utter ridiculousness of the criteria. Well, what does it matter that they're lapping with their hand? Well, it's, it's, it's completely artificial. Right, there's no significance there. It's, it's completely, seemingly arbitrary, except that it reduces the number down to 300 individuals. 300. We need to remember for a moment how huge the army of the Midianites is. All right, at the beginning of this, this cycle of, of, the, of Gideon, as we're coming into this, going back into, into the beginning of chapter 6, it describes the the, the the camp of the Midianites, how they would come into Israel. and it describes them like locusts. They would come into the land and they would devour everything in the land. This is a massive army. And then later in, in chapter 8, we'll find that Uh, The Midianite army was at least 135,000 men. And all all Gideon initially gathered was 32,000 men. And then God sent 22,000 of those away. And then God sent additional men away. So now we are down to 300 individuals going up against an army of at least 135,000 men. ratio of 450 to 1 for every one man you have to stand against 450 other men on the opposite side so now the question comes will Gideon still obey will Gideon act in faith again the point of this is found in verse 2 God wants Israel to know without a doubt that it was God who won the day and with a ratio like 450 to 1 there's going to be no doubt if, if Israel if Israel's win like there's there's no way that it could be through any other means other than the power and the might of the Lord so often we get so tempted by the things of this world that we look away to the other things and look to our own strength and God's God wants to remind us hey it's I'm still Yahweh here like I'm still the Lord, I'm still the one over all things and I' always have been and I always will be and so sometimes there are tests that come into life that are designed to strengthen our faith And this is what God is trying to do here the, there's the um, the testing of our faith produces steadfastness. that's what the book of James communicates and so God is is, reducing the army to test the faith of these individuals and see if they will still go forward in the battle so they will be strengthened in their faith, producing steadfast within them so they will know that Yahweh is God and that He works for His people. So He tests to produce within us the faith that perseveres. But he doesn't just test and then just walk away, leaving us to our own devices. But he is always faithful to give us his word. And so we see revelation strengthens faith. Let's continue to read on as we seek to continue to move forward in this story. Verse 9 of chapter 7. That same night the Lord said to him, Arise, go down against the camp, for I have given it into your hand. "...but if you are afraid to go down, go down to the camp with, with Pura your servant, and you shall hear what they say, and afterward your hands shall be strengthened to go down against the camp." Then he went down with Pura his servant to the outpost of the armed men who were in the camp. "...and the Midianites and the Amalekites and all of the people of the east lay along the valley like locusts in abundance, and their camels are without number, as sand is on the seashore in abundance." Again, this is the vastness of the Midianite army. Again, we got 300 men. Oh, what are we doing here? Well, when Gideon came, this is verse 13, "...when Gideon came, behold, a man was telling a dream to his comrade. And he said, Behold, I dreamed a dream. And behold, a cake of barley bread tumbled into the camp of Midian and came to the tent and struck it so that it fell and turned it upside down, and so the tent lay flat." And his comrade answered, This is no other than the sword of Gideon, the son of Joash, a man of Israel. God has given into his hand Midian and all the camp. As soon as Gideon heard the telling of the dream and its interpretation, he worshipped. And he returned to the camp of Israel and said, Arise, for the Lord has given the host of Midian into your hand. And he divided the 300 men into three companies and put trumpets into the hands of all of them and and empty jars with torches inside the jars. And he said to them, Look at me and do likewise. When I come to the outskirts of the camp, do as I do. When I blow the trumpet, and I and all who are with me, then blow the trumpets also on every side of the camp and shout, For the Lord and for Gideon. I love how God speaks to Gideon Back in verse 10, we have this narrative as it unfolds. God is seeking to strengthen the, the faith of Gideon, and he says in verse 10, if you are afraid to go down, if you're afraid, this is Gideon, remember? This This is all this guy does is be afraid. Like this is his MO. Of course he's going to be afraid because his name is Gideon, and that's just what he does. He is a fearful Man, he's scared of the Midianites, scared of his own countrymen, scared to do what God has said. Of course, he is afraid. But this whole story is just overflowing with the mercy of God. And God willing to go to just such great lengths to strengthen the hand of Midian for the task that he has given him. And so God gives Midian, uh, Gideon yet another sign. Gideon didn't ask for this one. God just gave this in his grace. And there's so many remarkable details with this. So you have, a, you have a Gentile who receives a prophetic dream. Another Gentile who accurately interprets that dream. And all of this is overheard by Gideon, who then worships God and returns to the camp to rally the 300 troops. God, in his graciousness, gives the revelation that was necessary to strengthen Gideon for the task. And Gideon responds in faith. We are often tempted to be faithless in our own lives. When those doubts arise, where are we to turn? Where should we go? We don't expect God to speak through dreams and visions and things of that nature today. God has said in His Word that He has told us that God in in previous days spoke in various ways, but in these latter days He has spoken to us through His Son and He has given us His Word, the completed canon of Scripture. And everything that we need for life and godliness is contained within its pages. And when we are tempted to doubt the Word of God, we must be reminded what is true through the revelation that He has already given us. The revelation of God found in the pages of Scripture will strengthen your faith. If you go to it in faith with that heart posture, Lord, I believe, help my unbelief. It was the revelation of God that strengthened Gideon. And notice what he says in verse 15. Arise, he says to the camp, for the Lord has given the host of Midian into your hand. He speaks like it's already a done deal. It's been completed. The victory has been won. The battle has been completed. Armed with newfound faith, he moves and takes action, which brings us to the final principle for us this morning. Faith moves us to action. Let's close out the chapter, verses 19 through 21. So Gideon and the hundred men who were with him came to the outskirts of the camp at the beginning of the middle watch, And when they had just set the watch, and they blew the trumpets and smashed the jars that were in their hands. And the three companies blew their trumpets and broke the jars and that they they, and broke the jars, they held in their left hands the torches, and in the right hand the trumpets to blow, and they cried out a sword for the Lord and for Gideon. Every man stood at his place around the camp, and all the army ran. They cried out and fled. When they blew the 300 trumpets, the Lord set every man's sword against his comrade and against all the army. And the army fled as far as Beth-Shittai toward Zer- Zerara, as far as the border of Abel-Meholah by Tabath. And the men of Israel were called out from Naphtali and from Asher and from all Manasseh, and they pursued after Midian. Gideon sent messengers throughout all the hill country of Ephraim, saying... Come down against the Midianites and capture the waters against them as far as Beth and also the Jordan. So all the men of Ephraim were called out. And they captured the waters as far as Beth and also the Jordan. And they captured the two princes of Midian, Oreb and Zeb. They killed Oreb at the rock of Oreb, and Zeb they killed at the winepress of Zeb. They pursued Midian, and they brought the heads of Oreb and Zeb to Gideon across the Jordan. God strengthens the faith of Gideon, and, and Gideon responds in worship, and he's moved to action. He does what God had set before him to do, what God had commanded. He steps forward in faith. Notice that this battle doesn't take place quite between the, the Israelites and between Midian. Now, the, the, the Midianites really are doing battle amongst themselves, right? Every man's sword is set against each other. And so God gives the victory through the faith of Gideon. Stepping forward and doing what God had commanded him to do, God grants the victory. There's so much of Gideon's life leading up to this moment would leave us scratching our heads. It's like Gideon is so often held up as this great example of of faith. In fact, we find him in the hall of faith in in, in Hebrews chapter eleven. And, but when we look at his life and we see the details of what has brought him up to this moment, it's like, this is not a mighty man of valor. <laughs> this is what the angel said he would be, but we don't find that for most of his life. Not only is he not a man of valor, but he's, we could almost hardly even call him a man. He acts like a child, fearful, afraid, and yet when push comes to shove and To be honest, there was quite a bit of pushing and shoving on God's part to move in the heart of Gideon. He still acted in faith and delivered Israel. And so despite his many faults, he is included in the hall of faith. I mean, just look at, at Hebrews chapter 11, verses 32 through 34. And what more shall I say? For time would fail me to tell of Gideon. Barak, Samson, Jephthah, David, and Samuel, and the prophets, who through faith conquered kingdoms, enforced justice, obtained promises, stopped the mouths of lions, and quenched the power of fire, escaped the edge of the sword, were made strong out of weakness, became mighty in war, put foreign armies to flight. Gideon, by all accounts, does not deserve to be in the hall of faith. And honestly, if we were to go back and look at all the individuals lifted, listed within the hall of faith, we would find many individuals that we could say have serious issues in their life, serious failings of faith. And yet, there are their names, they're there for us. Jesus talks about how, if you have faith the size of a mustard seed, right, you have faith, it'll—you could say to this mountain, be lifted up and be cast into the sea. God chooses to work through faith, weak as though it may be. He works through the faith of His people. Even when God had to strengthen the faith of Gideon, at the end of the day, in this moment, in this, in this saga of, of Gideon, when the moment came to step forward, he took action. Because faith moves us to action. And so he is listed as a man of faith in Hebrews 11. And, and that should encourage us, right? We should be encouraged by that reality, seeing this, this man that, that we look at and we see him as a man of fear, and yet faith moved him to action. If God can work through weak-faithed individuals like Gideon, surely there is hope for you and hope for me. I think we also have to be careful I think there's the reality that we must recognize that to whom much is given, much is required. Gideon had some revelation. He had the Torah, the first five books of the Bible, the law of God recorded through the hand of Moses. And God was gracious enough to give him additional revelation through these different means. Well, we have so much more than Gideon had. We have a completed canon of Scripture. The entire Old Testament, the entire New Testament And we are responsible for the information that we have and we will be held accountable for how we steward what God has entrusted to us. Today in these last days, God has given us the revelation of the person and the work of Jesus Christ. And our faith journey begins with Him. From faith in Jesus Christ and His person and His work, from there we can live lives of faith knowing that He is perfect in His love. It is His love for His people that drove Him to issue forth the command to Gideon. And it is from God's love that He gives us the commands found in His word. We live lives of faith trusting that He is perfect in His wisdom and knowledge, knowing what is best for us. Finally, life, a life of faith embraces that when He gives us instructions in His Word, we believe that He is able to accomplish His good purposes through our obedience to those commands. And so faith means that we, when we see the Word of God, we receive it and are moved to action in obedience to Him. And in times of struggle... And in times of difficulty, may we come before him with a heart posture that says, Lord, I believe, help my unbelief. Let's pray. Father, we thank you for your word. We thank you for this testimony from Gideon, a man who struggled in faith, who tested you, who sought to seek signs from you. Lord, I pray that you would strengthen our faith that we may not be faithless individuals but would step forward in faith we thank you that it is your revelation that does bolster our faith that strengthens our faith even this story from the book of of judges of gideon it is exists for us to strengthen our faith even today knowing that you who call us to accomplish your purposes you will provide what is necessary That we can look into your words, to the revelation that you have given us, and be strengthened in our faith through that. And then from a position of faith, move to action. Doing that which you have called us to do in your word. I pray that we can trust you, trust you, that you are a God of love. That you are a God who perfectly knows all things and knows what is best for us and knowing that you are accomplishing your good purposes in the world. Give us the faith that we need. Help our unbelief. We pray these things in the name of your Son, Jesus Christ. Amen. As we prepare to conclude our time together with our final song for the day, be there.